Man, feels like it has been a minute. Welcome back to the Bedlam Brother Podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander, also the host of the CGA Tour. Feel free to check it out if you have a moment. But this podcast is going to be back for a little bit or maybe a while or we'll see how long it can go. Um, I know Bedlam Brother took a period of time off willing to say for sure so we're gonna go and get back at it a lot of stuff has changed from the website the podcast has clearly changed a lot since it stopped for a while and now it's picking back up too so we've got some new intro music as you heard and we'll have some uh you know some new segments new guests and all type of stuff as well but this serves as more of a like intro episode back to the Bedlam Brother podcast. If you're subscribed in the past, got to resubscribe now. You know, got to go give that same five star rating you gave to us beforehand. Um, everything, everything before. Just you know, treat this one as um, a pre-show before the actual Bedlam Brother podcast gets full on and rolling. But start all off. My name's Calvin. Um, host the CGA tours. I've said before here. And really just going to recap a couple of things from this past week in sports and Oklahoma concerns, because there's been a lot and need to go and recap it as well as the college football season a little bit here and talk a little about the Thunder at the end. I admit, though, Thunder season's been up and down. I'm living on the West Coast now out in San Diego, actually, so I don't see a ton of Thunder games. I'm seeing a ton of OSU basketball games either or OU basketball games. But I try to stay updated with everything and do my best. So I'll have some guests on um, the next couple episodes as well that are in the central time zone, are able to see games and all that type of stuff from start to finish. Maybe some people who I used to work with in internships at Oklahoma State or Oklahoma State Thunder um, and stuff as well. Just see who's available at the time. And, um, well, hey, it's almost three minutes in now. We'll go ahead and get started. So... This past week, in case um, case been laying low and staying off Twitter and all social media and all TV, Kyler Murray, uh, we'll start off with him since he got the ball rolling at OU with some of this stuff. He has decided to enter the NFL draft. My thoughts exactly on this one is, is really it's up in the air. I mean... I listen to a ton of the Ryan Rosillo podcast, so if I start sounding more like him and, you know, how my voice is or how the podcast flows, and you're not a fan of him, I'm sorry, um, but it's just something I picked up. He clearly been out here now in San Diego listening to some different podcast guys, and heck, heck Rosillo's 90 miles away, so in Manhattan Beach, at least. <laughs> um so anyways, so a topic he brought up in his latest podcast on The Ringer was that if Kyler Murray decides to go play in the NFL or if he decides to go play baseball, either way, these no one really has like career ending injuries like they used to. You know, the last guy they can remember that had a career ending injury is and Russell pointed out in the podcast recently is Ryan Shazier in the NFL. But that's, I think that's such a freak injury. That doesn't happen to all these guys. Some of these guys just stop playing the NFL and they retire because concussions. That's one thing. But as far as just injuries that just take you out of it and injuries that would, a football injury that would doom Kyler Murray's career would have to be so severe, something like the Shazier injury that we hadn't seen before. 
or it'd have to be, you know, so many concussions that Murray still is able to switch over to baseball. You know, I mean, the worst concussion you can get is a ball being thrown right at your helmet, but no one tolerates that in baseball. So this is kind of like a, you know, Kyle Murray enrolled in the, you know, enrolled at OU. Of course, he, you know, played there for one full season and won the Heisman. And when Baker was there, yeah, Kyle Murray played some snaps here and there. But, I mean, the guy won the Heisman. So you would be dumb in my mind if he didn't try to go to the NFL, didn't try to go play. But on the other hand, and this has to be talked about at some point, he won the state championship, I believe, in in high school for Texas, in, in Texas for his school. You know, he played in Jerry World, AT&T Stadium, and all of those topics been thrown around, whatever. Then he goes and plays at A&M for a little bit. It doesn't go well. So they transfer down and goes to OU. Sits behind Baker Mayfield, which Baker won the Heisman and is doing well with the Browns. So that shouldn't necessarily be a knock at all on Kyler, the fact they didn't win out over Baker. But Baker, it's a little different. Baker was a walk-on there, whereas Kyler Murray had, I think it was a four- or five-star recruit at A&M and could have followed right behind Johnny Menzel with the Kevin Sumlin and stuff and been running the same kind of schemes and stuff because Kyler Murray, as we all know from watching this year, line on his feet, all type of stuff. But, hey, it didn't work out at A&M, so he transfers up to OU. You know, sits behind a guy who was a walk-on at OU, just to be clear. I mean, I know he was good. I know Baker was good at Tech, but... You're not going to be able to tell me he wasn't a walk-on because that's what he was. He's a walk-on at, you know, at Tech as well, from my understanding. So, you know, and then was later given a scholarship and then not. Now, then given a scholarship at OU. So, anyways, that's the Baker thing. But as an OU fan, I don't know how you think of Kyler. Um, I'm an Oklahoma State grad, you know, huge Oklahoma State fan. But I don't, I don't know how people think of Kyler Murray as OU fans, but I'm getting a little off topic here, so I'll try to rein it in. If I'm Connor Murray, you won the Heisman. You only played 12 games, though, and the larger point I'm making here is, you know, you, you play in high school, killing it, playing A&M, doesn't go well, transfer up to OU, but then sit behind a guy for a season, which, I mean, it's totally fine. That's what most people do anyways when they transfer, is I think you had to sit out a year anyways and then had to sit out another year to be behind Baker from my understanding. So then, you know, and he played some snaps when Baker was there and Baker in his Heisman year, but I mean, some snaps, very few and far between. But then he, you know, wins the Heisman at OU and goes to the college, back to the college football playoff. You know, doesn't do better than Baker did, but hey, you know, getting back to the college football playoff is incredible nonetheless. That's a huge accomplishment. And, you know, wins the Heisman. So... It's weird to think that Kyle Murray's played, you know, started in 13 games, if I have that right. Um, maybe it was 14 after all of a sudden knowing the Big 12 champion. Yeah, 14 with the Big 12 championship, too. And he, so he plays in 14 games and wins the Heisman, but he's their college film on him is literally for 14 games, basically. And then, you know, some at AM when he was a starter, I understand, but that's it. So as an NFL scout, how do you rank this? But if you're Kyler Murray, you won the Heisman, you know, I mean, also, what, what do you like to do more has to be said, you know, if Kyler would rather play football than baseball, then play football, man. I mean, you won, again, you won the Heisman, but all of this stuff has to be talked about and has to be voiced and concerned and everything like that, because at the end of the day, this guy's a Heisman Trophy winner, but who also got drafted number 
you know, in the number nine overall by the, uh, excuse me, the Oakland athletics. So it just seems like a, such a crazy world that there isn't a possibility of, of Deion Sanders or a Bo Jackson type of guy who's able to play football and baseball at the same time and really make it work. It just seems as though, you know, you have training camp for a team the same week, the uh, spring training before the other one, you know, and then you have, you know, um, or, or you have spring training the same time you would be theoretically being done in the Super Bowl, you know, right afterwards or so, right? And Kyler's not a super tall guy, which I'll get to in a minute. I'll get to the height here, so just give me a second. But it, it just seems like the two-sport athlete is not necessarily a possibility right now. And it, let's say you're an NFL team, and let's work through the what-ifs. I'm trying to take a different angle than everyone else has taken before earlier this week. So let's say you are... I'm going to throw out the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's where I saw Kyler Murray went in some mock draft recently. So let's say the Jaguars um, or the Dolphins. I've seen both of those. And Kyler Murray got drafted by the Oakland Athletics. So you're an East Coast team in Florida. And this guy is going to theoretically, maybe maybe Kyler is out there going, heck, I want to be that Bo Jackson. I want to be that Deion Sanders. I want to play both at the same time. Well, doesn't the team who drafts him going to double check that a little bit? Maybe do the Broncos draft him late because, you know, they hey, they see the right on the wall of Case Keenum and it's a little bit closer to Oakland? Or does Kyler come out and go, you know, before the draft and before any of this stuff takes place and come out and go, hey, I just want to let everyone know there's no circumstance whatsoever that I'll play both at the same time. If I'm not drafting the first round in football, then I'm not playing football if I'm not drafting, you know, or it comes out and makes some type of ultimatum, you know, bigger understanding or something like that, just so that there's something drawn in the sand, right? Because let's face it, if Kyler Murray gets drafted in the third round of the, you know, in the NFL, heck, he could be the next Russell Wilson. That's where Russell Wilson got drafted, who's also an undersized, very mobile QB. But, you know, I was undersized as Kyler Murray, but I'll get to the height in a second. I keep saying that, but I'll get back to it. Um, so it, it, for me at least, it it varies massively. How good is Kyler Murray at football is yet to be seen in the NFL. He seems to have to, he seems to be one of those guys who, from watching film on him, from watching the college football playoffs, from watching the Big 12 championship, from watching the OU versus Texas game early in the season, from watching OU versus UCLA, OU versus Army, all this type of stuff, back and back and forth, I can go. Because OU did play on, even though I'm on the West Coast, OU did play a lot of well-timed games for me to see it seems as though Kyler Murray has to throw through defenders helmets and what I mean by that is is that you're a quarterback and you would normally throw over so I'm six foot two you would throw over I would I wouldn't be able to throw over a defensive lineman's arms or their heads right I have to throw kind of in the windows between where they are not, because I'm only six foot two. Kyler Murray is five foot nine, five foot ten, so he's four inches less than I am. And, and again, I'm only comparing on the height here because he's an incredible athlete out of this world. There's nothing at all that resembles me versus Kyler Murray athletically. Nothing. So I'm purely going off of height here and providing this a reference because I can. So. You're Kyler, you're throwing, he's even shorter. So he he has to, 
you know, even get taller, even scramble around more, and even do all this type of stuff to throw through, you know, throw between guys' helmets back and forth, right? So, you, you know, you're Kyler Murray, let's say you get drafted in that third round because NFL scouts really see that on film, and they go, I know he won the Heisman, but he measured in at 5'8 and 3'4 at the Combine, or he measured in at 5'9 at the Combine, and that really hurt the 5'11 we thought he was, or thought he could be, from mock drafts when we saw that was where he's at on the OU baseball rosters at 5'11". So, you know, gosh, you know, the two inches really does matter a lot. And heck, there's probably a lot of NFL teams I don't care, but I'm just saying this way. Let's say Clark Murray gets drafted in the third round. It's to, I don't know, a team like the Steelers because Ben Roethlisberger threatens to, you know, retire or always talks about every so often. Let's say it's the Los Angeles Chargers because they go, heck, you know what? Why not have a really good guy who could learn behind Phil Rivers? Whatever, but it's the third round, and it's not to a team that Kyle Murray would just start, you know, immediately in the NFL or start within like a couple of games as Baker Mayfield did. Maybe he just goes, okay, screw it. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and play baseball. I know for sure I'll start with the A's at some point, as long as, you know, I keep doing well and I bet on myself because he clearly bet on himself by playing both baseball and football. So, you know, there's so much stuff's up in the air here. I would think that Kyler Murray would come out at some point and go, hey, guys, here's the, here's the deal. If I'm not drafted, you know, tell some NFL teams maybe behind the scenes because he doesn't want the public to know. But there's there has to be that conversation. You know, Kyler Murray gets drafted, you know, outside the first round seems out of the possibility. Because if you check every mock draft, it has him pretty much, ESPN at least, um, and Bleacher Report, from what I've seen, those two have him drafted in the first round no matter what. And there are teams who need quarterbacks, so it's understandable. And, yeah, Kyler Murray could be the second or third overall quarterback. I've seen Dwayne Haskins is ranked higher than him, but he could be the second or third overall quarterback in this draft. That's not a strong quarterback draft. But then again, I'm just, I'm just reiterating this. If you're Kyler Murray, would you rather go play baseball in Ohio when it, where it is cold through some months of the year, where it is incredibly warm through some months of the year as well during the summer, and then, you know, hopefully get to the Oakland A's who are building a brand new stadium, by the way, you know, at some point, or would you rather go sit on an NFL roster, be around NFL guys, and know at the end of the day, heck, you know what, maybe I do the football thing for the for my rookie contract, and if it really doesn't work out, I can always go try to go back to baseball because baseball, you just have a much longer, you can have a much longer career, you know, um, you just, you just it just, it, it's, it's a thing, you know, I mean, it, it's not, it doesn't take a scientist to go, oh man, you know, and there's not a ton of Tom Brady's playing baseball, but he's an anomaly. So, but there are a ton of guys who play later on in their careers and, you know, do really well at baseball later on when, and I'm talking about like when they're like, you know, 35 or older, when you start seeing some type of decline, usually, granted, we're not seeing it out of um, Phil Rivers, Drew Brees, or Tom Brady, but generally, you see a decline in quarterbacks, especially guys who are not very tall. Drew Brees really is the exception here, but you see that decline in quarterbacks and stuff. So I would think that Kyle Murray would at least go the, you know, his, he played in the NFL, he would play his rookie contract out. If it goes really well, sticks with it. If not, I could see him going, hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and talk to the A's and get out of my deal or opt back into it or however those rules work. 
at that point and just all a guessing game in the future here. That's all that I'm saying this would be, right? Guessing game in the future. So that's kind of the whole Colin Murray thing, right? Which started the ball rolling and kept it going on for the Alabama quarterback who plays in the national championship game. Granted, too little too late for him because Tua took over his team and, of course, that's Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has a chance to go down as, in my mind, the, the, the best college football story ever for a guy. You know, he so he plays in three national championship games with, at one school, um, wins one national championship, but really off the help of, you know, another guy, um, you know, in Tua. And then I actually got to look this up here to make sure it's just the one. But, you know, I mean, like Jalen Hurts, what a crazy story, period, though. He he transferred to OU of all teams. And, you know, as an OSU fan, it makes me sick because it's, you know, oh, my gosh, they were already going to be so good with this five-star quarterback. They're bringing us a freshman who is probably going to start. And then they had Austin Kendall who had been sitting there for a while who's you know, everyone here is just incredible as well, but he couldn't beat out the Kyler Murray Heisman winner. So it's like, geez, you know, and now they also get, um, now they also get, uh, <laughs> this Jalen Hurts guy who, you know, started at Alabama as a, tr- as a true freshman. Um, you know, it was the first true freshman qu- started quarterback in Alabama for over 32 years. Um, historic, you know, freshman season under head coach Nick Saban. Yeah, I'm just reading through all of this one and stuff like that. But um, let's see here. Yeah, so freshman season, he he loses to Clemson. Sophomore season, so we're talking in 2017. Um, he's benched at halftime, of course, and you know, famously does win. So I'm just double checking my estimate was correct. Um. That his sophomore season, he did, uh, you know, lose this kind of lose the starting quarterback role to to uh, Tago Valoa. Totally butchered that. I'm so sorry. Um, but everyone else says too. So that's what I'm gonna go with and bail myself out on that one. But you know, in his junior season, of course, he you know, after Tua, you know, leads you know, Alabama Crimson Tide to a championship and the second half to it takes over the team as a starter and hurts, um, earned significant playing time in a backup role. But, you know, he ought to, he also did what I think that a lot of other guys in this situation would do. He went ahead and completed, you know, his bachelor's of arts in communication and information sciences, I guess. So pretty smart guy, you know, for, that I mean, you know, either way, he completed a college degree in in three years is what I'm saying. And, you know, he announced that he transferred to OU. Um, he will go down for not starting a game in his junior season um, at all. Um, whereas he started, uh, gosh, he started 28 games in his freshman, between his freshman and and sophomore season, he started 28 games. He infamously did not start his very first possible game um, of the entire season as a freshman because Blake Barnett, um, you know, started uh, in that game against the USC Trojans. But 
Hurts took over in the second game and every other game after that. So, I mean, Hurts, you know, I mean, in my mind as an OSU fan, the rich get richer, you know, and it's just, it's a crazy thing to think about that, uh, that OU started out this podcast in my mind because I'm such an OSU fan. How did I talk about him first? But I got to talk about the biggest things that happened as well. So I, you know, got to live with me on that one, all of you fans that are listening. But Jalen Hurts transferring to OU. Props to the guy for sticking it out at, at Alabama, seeing if Tua was really all the hype and was worth it and stuff like that. And you know what? After the championship game and Alabama really getting blown out, I'm not sure if he was the end-all, be-all. You know, Tua was just because Clemson did show a bunch of weaknesses in this game. But also, Tua might have been injured, and then Jalen Hurts comes in really late in the game, and Clemson just dominated it in, in, in a way we don't normally ever see a team get dominated, you know, like uh, you know, like an Alabama team. Alabama just doesn't get beat like that ever. They don't get they don't get beat like a drum ever. And that happened to Clemson. And the whole season, in the back of my mind, I'm going, who did Clemson play? And Clemson beat them like that. Because Clemson didn't play anyone, basically they played Syracuse, um, the ACC, um, you know, but I really didn't play that many good teams, you know. I'm trying to think through the ACC, normal teams that are really good, Florida State, you know, having a down year, NC State, it's not normally really great, they're known for having Phillip Rivers, of course, and Russell Wilson before he transferred to Wisconsin, but, you know, I mean, just not, you know, Syracuse and NC State don't frighten me, you know, as a college football fan, if I had to go play them, so it just seems, um, you know, Clemson didn't really play that many teams, but then they just killed OU, and who knows how to it was, how healthy he was in that game, but Jalen Hurts, you know, lost, you know, loses two national championships to Clemson, wins one, but by sitting on the bench to end a game in his sophomore season, but now he transfers to OU, OU's got famously these, like, three or four five-star freshmen coming in as, I think, wide receivers and tight ends and running backs, and gosh, OU has one of the best recruiting classes ever, every single season. They didn't miss a beat when Bob Stoops left. Of course, to no one's surprise, really, but still, I, I, I admit there is a little bit of me as an OSU fan going, okay, they lose Bob Stoops, maybe they'll drop off a little bit, but they lose Bob Stoops, and then their quarterback goes, their next two quarterbacks go in the Heisman both years, so props to them. <laughs> you know, Lincoln Riley's the real deal. You know, one of, if not the youngest um, head coaches in college football at a perennial powerhouse with a huge brand name in OU, the Jordan brand now as well, and gets has two, you know, Heisman winners in back-to-back year at quarterback too. So props to Lincoln Riley, but props to getting Jalen Hurts to transfer as well. Maybe we'll get to see how good Jalen Hurts is at throwing the football now a little bit more because we all know OU likes to throw it more than Alabama does. And so does the Big 12 for that matter. So maybe we'll see him get to, you know, light it up or whatever. Or maybe, and this is going to be kind of crazy thought, maybe he'll be a grad transfer who will be used in a hybrid position and this freshman quarterback at OU is really the real deal and he's really always supposed to be. And he'll get some playing time as well. Who knows? Um, especially since now you can still have a guy redshirt and play in four games. Um, so that's also an interesting wrinkle into this as well. 
Lastly, though, rounding out the Oklahoma college sports topic, I'm going to talk about Oklahoma State. Of course, I did a podcast um, with a West Virginia alum that I planned on advance, actually, on the CGA Tour on the latest episode here. If you're listening to the Bell Brother episode right now, you'll hear it was on the CGA Tour anyways, um, where OSU actually won over the weekend. But one of the guys who played in that game is no longer on the Oklahoma State basketball team, uh, Michael Weathers. He actually he produced quality minutes for Oklahoma State, so I'm singling him out. But three guys got kicked off of the Oklahoma State basketball team, um, you know, after beating, gosh, after beating West Virginia in Morgantown for the third straight year in a row. Um, three Oklahoma State uh, men's basketball player. Players get kicked off the team, leaving Oklahoma State with eight scholarship players on the roster. One of those is Trey Reeves, who deserves the scholarship more than any, you know, more than anyone else. Hard, hard worker for sure, but he was a walk on at one point before he got the scholarship. So, just kind of a, you know, a heads up on that one or whatever, right? So, as we pull it up here, let's kind of look at it and go through everything that's going on. So, Oklahoma State dismisses point guard, sophomore transfer, Michael Weathers Jr., Maurice Kalou, and Contravious Jones. Um, no longer because of a violation of team rules. That's what Coach Mike Boynton said in a statement. And I quote here from Boynton, I quote, We have a standard of behavior that we expect from everyone in our program, and we are going to move forward with the people who want to abide by those standards, Boynton said. I wish the others well as they move on, end quote. So, you know, whether it's a sophomore guard was averaging 9.2 points per game. He had the run-in with with the law, (laughs) I guess, earlier on, where he... You know, stole a girl's wallet at J.R. Murphy's in Stillwater, charged a ton of money onto the the card on the wallet, um, enough so that it was, you know, had to be over $1,000 because it was a felony. Later gets knocked into a misdemeanor, and he, you know, um, he completes community service. He does all type of stuff, run on the right track. You know, in the meantime, Ike or Isaac likely outplays him in his ability and you know Weathers' his ability when Weathers is not with the team during this stuff. Then Weathers rejoins the team, does not, you know, start for the Cowboys when Cowboys really need a, you know, quality point guard to start at this time. But then, you know, Weathers you know, either doesn't as good in practice, is still playing coming off the bench because he's just not as good as, you know, Isaac Likely and you know, you've also got Lindy Waters sharing some of the point guard handling duties as well from game to game, just kind of picking up half court and taking it down the court and stuff like that. Not really running too much of an offense, but, you know, doing some stuff, of course. So, but all this, all this happens after Oklahoma State beats West Virginia on, on Saturday. And then, you know, but then most more recently, um, OSU loses to Baylor on Tuesday. I believe I have that date right. Um, let's see. Yeah, Tuesday from what I have. Maybe it was Monday and I'm forgetting here. But Monday or Tuesday, either way, OSU loses to Baylor um, at home. And now has a losing record. And OSU now really has it back against the wall. They've lost three 
scholarship players on the roster. So now they're down to nine guys on the team, eight of which are scholarship guys, one of which is Trey Reeves, who definitely deserves a scholarship because he's a hard worker. But again, then again, he was a walk-on at one point. So seven true scholarship guys, nine guys on the roster. One, The other guy who's not a scholarship guy is Luke Major. He's a walk-on, really tall guy. Seems he could be a future Mitchell Solomon kind of guy. His the senior year provide quality minutes and start and do ex, ex, inexplicably well. I can't even say it. Um, Mitchell Solomon, I gotta respect that guy um, for his senior season and how far he came along in Oakland State basketball with all the coaching changes too. But who knows on league major? Still really young, but oh, excuse me. It is, um, it's interesting to see what's happening in Stillwater here. So I do have some news to break that I don't think is out there so far on these three guys. And then I'll get to kind of the roster deals. So what I've heard from why these three players are no longer with the program is that over winter break, they're all hanging out at a party. We're really partying too much. We're really hanging out with people decide to leave for some reason, went out and grabbed a, airsoft gun out of a, the trunk of a car i think it was one of the um, girls on the cheer team and you know took the airsoft gun back shot up a, another car with the airsoft gun the back window all this type of stuff um may have shot um a couple of the airsoft pellets you know in you know in a house and stuff like that that they were partying at. I'm assuming something happened where they, you know, were like, Hey, you know, why aren't you guys hanging out with us? And left a bad taste in their mouth. And they want to do some form of retaliation, even though it's inexplicable and it doesn't really no idea really how, but this is the, the information I have so far here as like, you know, I'll try to find out more and get some more information, but I'm going to guess this is kind of it. Um, and then, you know, the guys drive off and then end up shooting, also shooting up um, with an airsoft gun. I'm going to keep reiterating here, but still in this act of shooting a airsoft gun, um, a basketball manager's car. And it just kind of, it's really weird, you know, um, I don't, I don't know as an Oklahoma State fan how to feel about this. It just seems like a dumb move. Of course, you know, you can speculate about what else may have been going in their systems or not. You know, this could have clearly been just something that they, you know, weren't enjoying the party, you know, and decided to do this and were completely, you know, not intoxicated, nothing in their bodies whatsoever. Yeah, who knows, right? I'm I'm trying to explain in my mind what would have caused the line of thinking to go like this or or how it would have happened, but it's not. It's not like a clear, like, oh, this is why, you know, there's just, there's just not. So I don't know what would cause you to leave a party, come back to that party and then shoot up somebody else who's attending the party's car and shoot, you know, two pellets into the window or however many, I I heard it was shot the window a couple of times and then go drive over to another area where a basketball manager's car was and shoot up the basketball manager's car. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know what would cause someone to do that. What would go through their mind? Because clearly you're, you know, you're destroying someone's property, you know, a vehicle. It's clearly, you know, a type of 
you know, um, criminal act. And for the Michael Weathers Jr., who had already had trouble with the law, um, Contravius Jones, who, you know, rumors going around that he wasn't really on Boynton's, well, he definitely wasn't on Boynton's good side because he was serving some type of, uh, type of suspension. And then Maurice Galou, maybe he's able to rejoin the team. Maybe not, because this is the first thing I've heard of, of him doing stuff, but, you know, or being in this kind of group. But at the end of the day, like, they were dismissed. And, you know, I don't know, Galou's a 6'9 freshman. And Oklahoma State generally always needs guys to, you know, um, and taller guys, I guess, down in the post or whatever. But, like, also at the end of the day, just worth mentioning that he averaged 10.8 minutes a game. Excuse me. And, um, you know, I'm looking through his stuff here. I think he averaged 2.5 points, scored 40 points on the season. This clue guy who I give maybe he'd uh, have a good chance to come back to Oklahoma State. But I don't know. Seems seems tough. Um, seems tough for sure. That's the best way to say it. So... It's kind of, it's kind of, you know, the information I had to break there or, or uh, regarding, I don't know whose car they, you know, shot with the airsoft BB gun for, I don't, I know they shot one of the basketball managers. I'm not sure which one, but it's just, man, it's, it's annoying. Cause I really liked this team. I thought Weathers Jr. maybe needed a couple more years to clearly mature. Um, so he doesn't make dumb decisions, but you know, also just, you know, this this Michael Weathers Jr. guy, heard really good things about him before he came to OSU and was hoping, you know, you know maybe he becomes a three-year starter or four-year starter because I think he's a retro freshman. So he could have played one more year if I have that right. And, heck, you know, maybe he gets some really quality playing time in his senior year, you know, be really good, you know. But then again, this Oklahoma State team now tweeted out that today they took tryouts for guys. I have no idea how the tryouts went. I wasn't there clearly. Um, but yeah, it just, it's just, it just, uh, doesn't go over too well, I guess in my mind, like what causes you to, you know, take an airsoft gun and, you know, destroy someone's property with it, you know, two people's, yeah, all type of stuff. Um, just that just doesn't make sense. So, Oklahoma State took open tryouts today. They, you know, gave people basically like twenty four hours to prepare for and get ready. So I'm not sure who was able to show up and who wasn't. I mean, on one hand, you know, anyone who's on the, you know, who's able to out there and go try out, go for it. On the other hand, you know. I don't know if there are any people who have been that ready with a single teletest and a physical within the last six months who maybe have one more year of eligibility left or, or whatever, to, you know, for college or like a senior playing the Colvin. And it was who, hey, but maybe they're, you know, they're going to fill up everyone, you know, and all be good or whatever. I'm not sure. But, you know, like it, it's it's fun to think about. You know, I was uh, I was talking with a, a friend. Um <laughs> Um, much earlier today, and we're we're talking about the fact that like you know what would we tell people, you know like would you tell people you went and tried out for the Oklahoma State men's basketball team? It's like oh of course he would like 
I was an intern and I would have definitely gone to go try out if I was on campus today and had eligibility and everything was good and I had the forms and everything. I mean, what? I mean, I'm assuming tryouts are like two hours max and heck, you get to say, hey, I tried out, you know, I, I went for it, you know, um, I'm taking a back basketball shot here in a month, but I, I went right out for the team, you know, and they needed guys. So it would have been fun. It would have been something to laugh about in a, you know, in a week. And, you know, it would have been, it would have been a cool thing. So, you know, I, I want to go out with this props to Mike Boynton props to you for sticking to your guns doing the right thing, not overlooking something and telling the players who need to be told to learn from mistakes and well, which is moving forward to do that and cut ties and play with fewer guys on the roster this year play, you know, Oklahoma State fans, you're going to see a lot of Trey Reeves here and there because there are seven guys and there is not a full bench. So, there are some basketball man on the team who probably tried out today. I don't know, but there, there. This is going to be a tough rest of the season. But I, I give props. I am one hundred and ten percent with Mike Boynton. I think he's making the right decision by all accounts. Stick to your guns. Make make a tough. It's a tough decision, but you clearly believe that these guys needed to learn from the decisions they made to face severe consequences to move on. And I'm with Mike Boyan 110% on this. You know, my opinion of him, my view of him is so high. I mean, he he comes through and I'm for a he came and spoke at an Oklahoma State Sports Financial Club meeting that I, I was at. Um and it's what what a stand-up guy. That's all I could say. He spoke down to earth, he answered every question in the entire room. There was a guy who was like a reporter in the room who was answering questions, you know, some some guy who um, I, I don't know, you know, where he's writing from or whatever, but he's, you know, he's answering his questions stuff, too, um, you know, instead of like trying to dodge anything. Just a, such a stand up guy. Every interaction I've ever had with Mike Boynton has been, uh, you know, been like this guy's the coolest, super nice guy, super sincere. Just comes off as a really trustworthy guy. And after the whole Brad Underwood stuff, this is the guy Oklahoma State needs. And heck, next year, the sky's the limit for this OSU program. I mean, it's it's gonna go from being real rough to end out this season, I would assume, with eight guys and midseason transfers aren't a thing. We're in middle big twelve play right now. It's January, March is right around the corner. So I, I can't think the season's gonna change the outlook would change too much of it is right now, but props to Mike Boynton. Um, man, what a, what a, what a guy, uh, love him to death and fully support him. And, you know, 16 stars coming in next year between four guys. It's going to be incredible how good this team could be next year. Just from having offseason to work together, of course, and having four guys who are at the top of their game come in and play at Oklahoma State in the Big 12 and be one of the best teams in the Big Going from, I'm assuming, how the rest of the season looks right now, of being one of the worst teams in the Big 12 to being one of the best teams in the Big 12 next season. And I, people can try to persuade me and tell me right and wrong, whatever, but I believe the Big 12 is the best basketball um, conference. And I, don't honestly think it's too close that really that close 
now that the ACC has expanded, now that the SEC has expanded, now that the Pac-12 has expanded, now that the Big Ten's expanded, I think the Big 12 by, you know, by losing two teams um, and being now 10 teams become the best basketball conference. I mean, you look up and down the whole entire conference and yeah, there's a year or two TCU's not good. And then there's a year or two they are. There's a year or two that K-State's not that good. And then they are. There's a year or two that Baylor's not that good. And then they are. So no knock on any of those guys, those teams. They're all good. Um, so props to Mike Boyne. Can't wait to see how much better this gets next year. And, you know, to now this year, I still have high hopes for this team. I still think we can do what good and knock off an opponent here or there because at Cameron Griff, Lindy Waters, Isaac Likely, and Thomas DeZagua can grind and play scrappy, hard-nosed basketball with the best of them. So, moving on here to the Oklahoma City Thunder and what should end out of the podcast on an extremely happy note and extremely bright and exciting and I think all that was kind of left with the Oklahoma State basketball team for 2020 because that's probably the bright spot as an OSU fan and the Oklahoma State Thunder fan I have on the rush um, that I have on the mind right now because Oklahoma State Thunder tonight lost their third one in a row to recap the last three games and blown out against the Wizards base more or less lose you know at one point we're up against the Hawks then down by a lot then give up 142 points to the Hawks, um, you know, and then, gosh, the tonight's game against the Lakers was frustrating as could be because Oklahoma City was up by 17 at one point, then let the Lakers come all the way back and more. Then Russ hits three foul shots when Russ is having a, Russell Westbrook's having a horrible free throw shooting season, horrible shooting season overall, but a horrible free throw shooting season especially. Russ makes a smart heads-up play by shooting the ball, the second Lonzo ball. Um, gosh, shooting the ball, the second Lonzo ball. Um, you know, kind of tries to go, you know, and wrap up or whatever. And Russ just decides to chunk a three right there and hopes it's a shooting foul. And sure enough, it is. Russ hits all three free throws, and the Thunder go to overtime. And are at home. And, oh gosh, home, overtime? That's it. Curtains for the Lakers, right? Instead, I gotta eat my words here, and it didn't work out. So it didn't work out at all, actually. And the Thunder lose in overtime, lose by I think ten at the end of it, and shoot ev- every single shot they took was a three pointer. Besides one, Oklahoma City, I think made three shots in the entire overtime, and the Lakers hit fifty percent of their shots. Remember that. Uh, I mean, it just seemed like Oklahoma City Thunder were just going into these last three games going, you know what, we can just put on cruise control. We're good enough to beat the Wizards, um, the Hawks, and then the Lakers without LeBron. LeBron didn't even travel to Oklahoma City. But it ends up the other happens, the opposite happens. And I'm just saying this as a cautionary tale, and I know it's a short Thunder recap here, but just how it is for this one. I don't want to talk too much more about this. So, Got to gloss over these and keep going. But at the end of the day, we're going to look back at how tight and close this Western Conference race is for home court advantage. And in my mind, the Thunder are now playing a harder schedule the second half of the season than they had the first half. It's easy for me to see as a Thunder fan that the 
team could look at these three losses and go, whoa, if we had won those three, or if we had won one of those three, or two of those three, be a much different place. It might have home court advantage, you know, for the Western Conference, you know, playoffs. Might be the top four instead, maybe the fifth seed, because just everything looks so close right now. And the Thunder are currently, I believe, before tonight's game, another third. I know they were the third seed, and you know the Rockets don't look that great, even though they looked amazing last season. But they still don't have Chris Paul back, so they'll be doing really, really well in the second. Um, the Denver Nuggets look extremely good until they play the Warriors, and you know that's the top three teams: the Nuggets, Warriors, and the Thunder. But gosh, there's so many good teams in the Western Conference right now. I think these three games are really going to matter. I think they're really going to matter and hurt the Thunder that they lost these three straight. Not a good look either. You know, you lose two of the three at home. You know, two to teams you should have beat. Wizards one's weird, but you you know I was okay with just letting that one go by itself because it was just kind of just such an odd game and blah whatever. The Hawks game frustrating as all can be because the de- the Thunder's identity is defense and they just lose this game and Hawks score 142. You know, what the heck? And then tonight's game, the Thunder make the most amount of threes they made in any game the whole season and still lose at home to a LeBronless Lakers. Just tough. Tough, hard to do. Gosh, they beat they beat the they beat the Lakers in LA earlier in the month. Just, this one's tough. This one's really hard to to deal with in the moment. But heck, you know what? Tomorrow's a new day. I've got to write some type of trade piece for the Thunder here because you, know, you lose the three games like this. As Thunder fan, you gotta be going. Heck, maybe trades in the future. So. That's going to go and wrap it up on this one. Thanks so much for listening to the Bedlam Brother Podcast. Of course, if you have any comments, suggestions, critiques whatsoever, go ahead and give us a rating review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get the podcast. Um, It's going to upload first anchor.fm because it's a debut of the brand new podcast. So the information you're listening to now might be a little bit old if you're catching on iTunes or Spotify before you caught on Anchor. But that's uh, that's how it kind of goes for this one. So thanks so much for listening. Go ahead and follow us at Twitter on Twitter at Bedlam Brother. Like the Facebook page Bedlam Brother. Just feel free to send me a like, follow, or whatever at the CGA tour for the podcast that I do on my own by myself completely. Um, and stay tuned for more Bedlam Brother information, stuff, news, notes, all that type of good stuff. So thanks so much for listening catch you guys soon and um stay tuned